Welcome to the Convenience Economy Podcast, where we discuss how the buyer's journey has changed the way B2B software is acquired and how B2B companies are adapting or getting left behind. Clark, welcome to the Convenience Economy Podcast. As a way of getting started, tell my audience about yourself. Uh, well, sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. This is great to get the opportunity to, to talk about how things are shifting and uh, they're shifting tectonically right now. But uh, I've been leading software marketing organizations for 25 years now, uh, mostly B2B, uh, you know, for the last 15 years or so, SaaS, software as a service companies. But, you know, creating categories, opening up markets, you know, driving outcomes for, for customers, for the companies, for investors. Um, and that's included great brands like Mercury Interactive and Workday, most recently Intact, uh, which we sold to Sage about three years ago. And since then, I've been advising and consulting uh, with investors and CEOs and their teams uh, with high growth technology companies uh, on go-to-market strategy and execution. So this concept of the convenience economy you know, really resonates with me. I really, you know, I've lived a lot of it as it's grown. Uh, we've lived through this year where uh, these these shifts have really uh, accelerated a lot of the trends that guys like you and I have been working around. Uh, so it's great to be here uh, to chat and, and compare notes. Oh man, I'm I'm thankful because it's great for my audience to hear from a from an expert. You've been with some you know some great companies. It's not like you've been with a you know a couple uh, you know one person shops, right? So you know we we you and I talked a while back, and this you know the idea of the convenience economy kind of registered with each other, and you know and 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 I you know we. We talk about it a lot at Amadin about the fact that, you know, people, right, are now, you know, what do you call it, the Amazon effect or the shop at home effect or, you know, just this digital world where you're carrying a mainframe around in your hand, you expect things to be convenient and it's a lot more important than perhaps price, right, or perhaps other things. It's really important. So, you know, as a CMO, right, you know, you've been at it a while, you know, kind of give me the, the 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 your view of where we are today, and you know, in, in regards to the convenience economy from from a CMO's perspective, right? Because I think marketing sits, you know, at that early, early, early stage of of, of a business, right? Sales way down, customer support, etc. They see, feel those changes too. But boy, a CMO, man, if you're not on your guard and not looking at trend, trends and changes, I gotta believe you're messing up, right? Because you're 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 out there in the front lines first. So. Give me that perspective of what you've seen, and and then we'll we'll dive into a few of those topics that you bring up, and 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 help my audience to understand from the CMO perspective. Sure, absolutely. Well, I think first of all, it's it's impossible to talk about any of this right now without um, talking about the pandemic and uh, the impact that it's had on buying and selling in our day to day lives, right? So, you know, hopefully we're we'll begin to come out of all of this, but you know, the question is what stays with us, right? And what has changed that won't unchange? We're talking about this in our previous conversation, right? So, you know, my belief is that the COVID has accelerated and deepened these these evolutions in our social, the way we interact socially, the way we sell, the technology trends. And these are things we've been nurturing and grappling with for years. But, um, you know, I I, I think the, the underlying thing is what I've seen in working with companies the last year is that COVID has driven focus in the way that you're going to have to communicate with your prospects, your customers, right? And, and all your communication and all of your selling. I mean, it's so difficult for any of us to hold attention these days compared yeah. to the normal world, 
right? Um, you know, and that includes the organizations that we're selling to, right? And uh, I think that's had impact at a strategic level, uh, 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 meaning like, uh, oh, you know, guys like you and I, you know, old enough to, to quote Jeffrey Moore, right? You know, <laughs> core, not context. What's core, like everything has been focused down for these companies. Yes. Um, and all these kind of exploratory, investigative, like a ah, slush fund, you know, I, I'll buy a couple of things and see how they work. That stuff has all been washed away in the hurricane of this pandemic, right? So it's, it's, it's survival instincts, right? Um, which then leads on the planning and the organ, uh, operational levels. There's just fewer projects, right? And, and, and that means we have less time um, to get at fewer consideration cycles with our prospects, right? Yeah, yep. they're just they they just don't have time for any of this stuff, and and even when they do, their, you know, their lieutenant that they would normally have look at this stuff has got to you know watch their kid from two to four in the afternoon, and ah, you know, I can't get on the look. So all of the the idea of the convenience economy where it's self serving, you know, meeting you where, helping the buyer buy where they are when they are has just been hugely yeah. imposed yep. upon us, right, yep. I think. Yeah, and, 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 and I think, you know, worth a dialogue here, you know, Clark, is that I think change is hard, right? As you well know, people are creatures of habit. But I think what's, what, what the pandemic did is it accelerated. It didn't, you know, yes, it created new things that we have to deal with. But, but there were some things happening in B2B, especially around this idea of a buyer doing more on their own. And, hey, I, I really don't want to opt in. I want things on demand when, I'm, when it's convenient for me. And, you know, the less friction you have, the better for me from a buying process. That's why I buy cars with Carvana now instead of going to a car lot. That's why I order all my meals pre-packaged and, and pre-portioned so it's easy for me to cook my meals. I think all that was happening, but, boy, it really accelerated, right? Oh, yeah. And, 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 and I think that brought it out to the forefront to your point of, and then, you know, an interesting thread you just brought up is it, it, it used to be decision maker in buying, right? You know, you, you know, I've been at this for 25 years. So if you find a decision maker can, you know, understand what that person was, what was important to them, meet those needs, boom, decision made. Nowadays, consensus buying. And now that consensus team, that's really big, right? Five, 10, 15 people that are in an office, they're, they're spread out all over the country. And to your yeah. point, how do you get their attention? And how do you even know they exist? Because you don't get to meet them all anymore. Right. And you have to find the right channels and touch points to facilitate their this self-driven purchasing, right? I mean, it, the, the, the framework still applies, right? You know, how are you going to educate? You know, how, how are you going to get them to consideration and evaluation, right? But, but what are uh, the either the, the existing channels that you're going to tweak or the new channels that now people are digesting in a way that they may not have even yeah. considered before that you can activate. I mean, think about working from home and living on Zoom has catalyzed a lot more creativity here, right? Um, and one thing, so we talked about- In the, both directions, the, by the way. Exactly. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. We- um, so back in the early <laughs> pandemic, you know, like in the spring, early summer, right, where I'm getting, you know, you're getting used to working from home and everything and you these flexible hours. One of the things I was doing was, uh, and you're, you can't go out anywhere. We were in, in Northern California, we we're in lockdown. So time to clean out a closet or two, right? And I had 
like magazines and stuff from like the turn of the century. Now we say turn of the century. It means right. It's right. You know, it's right. Year I would do a good newspaper ad. <laughs> It was, there was a front, there was one, um, the MIT, whatever Sloan was calling their technology journal at the time, but the cover story was about uh, working from home and distance, you know, work. And it's like, yeah, but you know, you give up so much. It just doesn't, it's just never going to work. Right. Yeah, <laughs> As yeah. I'm, you know, emptying out my closet during a, a, you know, a work from home career. And, and so, um, yeah, so, so anyway, so so people are thinking a lot differently than, than they have about some of these things. But yeah, you know, but we've I been talking you, about yeah. driving digital experience for years. But, you know, like look at video, right? I mean, we all know that so many, there's so many additional things. Like if you're a salesperson and you can be in the room with that prospect and read that room and read the signals and all that stuff, you know. And it's not perfect. It's so much more difficult with Zoom, but I, I think video is a place that's that's really opened up. That you know, pe- people are much more facile and comfortable with it. Yeah. Uh, video chat, uh, even um, just uh, you know, the, the the work of a of a marketing organization or a, a, a sales development or sales team, right, is to build that portfolio, balance that portfolio of how you can um, meet the buyer where they are. Yeah. That's key to oh, what sorry, you're saying. Technology. Yeah, I love that. You know, what you said is that you know that the you know the buyer still has a job. They've had a job forever. They have to go through certain certain things they have to do, jobs to be done, if you will, and before they can buy. And it's your job, right, as marketing seller, to help them to find their answers to their questions wherever they are in that buyer's journey. But to your point, right, in you, you can't sit back and wait for them to call you. Because they're not going to for a long period of time, right? Could be 30%, 60%, 80% of the sales cycle. They're out doing their self-service digital expiration. And I think what, you know, what companies are failing to realize is that that you got to help that buyer do that, help them to get the information they want, help them to, you know, have a digital channel that maybe it's recorded video, maybe it's, you know, more, you know, web content, maybe it's a blog, right? That has a lot more you know, of an information because they're going to do it. And if you don't help them and accommodate that behavior, you're the one that's waiting and they're not going to call you at all. I mean, the garden research right. says we get 6% of the buyer's time if they're looking at three vendors. So, so, so that's you don't right. have a lot of time to influence. You better do it digitally. And digitally to me, doesn't mean Facebook and Twitter. It means providing a, a portal or a, a place where, you know, people have questions, they get, they get answers. And I think what you said is meet them where they are. And if they're not engaged with you yet, you have to do it in a digital way, a channel way, a portal way to help them and accommodate them. And that, that's what you're referring to. Yep. Yep. Or move upstream and find the other places that they are. You know, I'm a, I'm a, a huge believer and I, and I think it's become even more critical through this last year. Of, so we've talked mostly about kind of owned channels, right? Like you know, they come get to them to our website so we can tell our stories better ways. But, um, you know, you cannot forget about earned channels. And, and in classic times, I kind of meant, I'll get some PR, et cetera. But you know, I, one thing that I'm a big believer in that I, I don't see companies using as often as I would think are um, these product review sites, right? I mean, like particularly selling to the enterprise back in the day, these enterprises would scratch out a huge check to Gartner or Forrester or somebody. And then you know, say, so come in and tell me like which CRM system I should be using or ERP or you know name name your name your TLA your TLA uh, three letter acronym 
Um, that's all been uh, disintermediated, right? By yes. people like G2 or Captera. Yep. And so I, I have, I'm just, we, we put a big focus on this at Intact as being the, the, the customer satisfaction leader. I mean, the great brands today, you know, we talk about the convenience economy, we talk about comparisons between kind of B2C and B2B. The great B2B brands today have fan bases, even yep. for stuff that you'd think like, 10 years ago, like fan base for a computer system to keep track yeah, of your but, people. But, Clark, but you know, what, what you're really, that's fan base is digital trust, right? Think about your personal life, the, the, the person, the business, whoever that helps you understand, you know, the right kind of flowers to plant or the, 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 the maintenance due on your car or what appliances to buy. They provide you with free answers to your questions when the day comes. When the day comes that you're going to buy those flowers or buy those shrubs or buy that a punch, you go there first. Why? Because yeah. they've established digital trust. So this, you know, people talk about this idea of community and that's what you're talking about, this fan base. But what it really is, is, hey, not, no one's going to come to your, your, your dealership anymore to ask you, can you walk me through the safety features <laughs> of this car? They're going to do it on their own. Give them that data, and then when the day comes, they're ready to buy. They may come to you the the last mile of the sale. Excellent analogy you're, yeah. you're talking about there is that is that unearned channel, that fan base, and and I think that's where a lot of businesses fail to you know they they want to control the cycle, right? And they want to play the old game right. of hey Clark, you're asking me for this, I need something from you first. That that that's all gone. Like you know oh yeah you know that, that, that that's just not the way people behave anymore you better be open and 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 work through that so that's a, another great point of that of that idea of the of the fan base and i think you're right i mean you know we i read articles that say that the average buyer can go to 11 places for information right you mentioned g2 or capture how about glass door knowing everything about right. your company your culture right going to a you know to 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 a, a, a financial site and understanding everything about your finances right i mean the, the the data is not held by the corporation anymore it's everywhere and you need to you need to embrace that and you make a great point there which is all data is not created equal too right so where can they get that that data they're going to get glass they're going to get uh, data about your culture and the inside your four walls from people that are inside those four walls, right? They're gonna get the financial information from the people that have access or have, have done their research there. And, and I think another huge leg of this, uh, and, and some of it comes through the product review sites, but in general, the idea of co the customer success stories, right? We always say, ah, oh, you know, you, you know uh, use for both uh, uh, educating and then uh, objection handling, you know, give them customer stories, give them customer stories. But, the, you know, particularly, I think, in a world that's been so turned upside down, like it has in the last year, and, and the stakes have been cranked up so much on these companies, yeah, everybody's had to shrink their plan and everybody's had to refocus and everything. Um, folks want to hear specifically about the outcomes they can expect and see that you're aligned to delivering those for them. And so I think that kind of the, the more traditional customer success story, you're gonna see, and, and this part of this is unlocked by these different channels like social media, et cetera. But I just think the testimonial and that interpersonal sort of connection, now it has to be a, a story that's applicable to them. I mean, you can't sell a, you know, you can't sell a manufacturer with a story from, you know, a, a fast food chain or something yeah. or a bank. But, yeah. but I just think all of these channels, like you're saying, you know, they, they're, they're going to go out and find across all these channels, both the channel and the signal and the source 
all matter yep. as, as they're educating yep. themselves. Yeah, and we and we you know, obviously, you know, this isn't about Amadim, right? But at the end of the day, right, we're talking about using searchable video as a way to let that buyer get their hands on your product earlier in the buying cycle because to your point, right? They want validation, they want authenticity, they want to understand, they want to understand if I was using this software, how would it work? Right. And I'm not going to read a 30 page white paper on how do you, how mm-hmm. workflow works in our application or can, here's how analytics work. They want to feel it because they're going to be using it if they buy your product. And I think that's another, you know, kind of this fan base idea, this community of let's move the product forward. Some companies, heck product led growth is working great, right? Trials and stuff. But you know, it took, 15, 20 years for SaaS to migrate to every business, right? It's not going to, product growth is not going to happen where tomorrow you go, hey, we're going to be a product growth company and and give trials and, and premiums. It's not, not all software is geared to be that way, but man, using video or searchable videos or online demos and automation allows that prospect to you know, engage in that product sooner and get some of those questions answered to your point, right? From the source, not from Someone, you know, and, and guess what? You'd prefer to do it that way than hearing it from John, who heard it from Mary, who heard it from Paul, right? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. anything else in are. your life, right? Yeah. Right. Like any, people always talk about, you know, how consumerization has impacted the buying cycle. And that, that probably started, I guess, with compute, uh, consumer, I'm sorry, uh, the experience. Uh, you know, like, why can't, why is this software yeah. so complicated? Yep. And I'm at home and I'm on, you know, Facebook or Amazon or something, right? This is some, and then it became about um, the e-commerce, the buying. Problem. Why is this so difficult to, you know, buy pencils and in uh, the office supplies uh, at my office when I can do it, uh, you know, at home on a website? And now it's come to these uh, the communication, I think, uh, platforms and, and how people like why can't I? Why can I figure out? Um, you know, why can't I find the local? astronomy club or whatever and, and and everything that's going on there but when i'm trying to buy something for my uh when i'm trying to get people's advice on um a a, a b2b purchase that it's some like i have to go to the or you know the mountaintop and i've got to you know pay all my gold and i've got to you know then probably get an answer that i know is already jimmied around because somebody's trying to sell me something um, you know what what you guys are doing uh, is you know I, I, is I think really important about taking taking away those barriers so that people can in their own context um, you know we always talk about discovery calls right you know uh, you know sales enablement to help our SDR teams do discovery calls and you're stabbing around trying to find you know pain yeah. and all this they know their pain yeah. okay, like if you if you give them a give them a library for them to come look up their problems you know, that's easily accessible and they can do in their context, they bring the pain with them and, and you can have a, you can get to much more meaningful conversation. Yeah. Listen, I, I, tell, I tell our customer all the time, right? One of the, one of the reasons that Amadim is so successful is that a, you're removing that friction, B you're letting that buyer, you know, self raise, not just raise your hand, but wave your hand. It's very similar to, why do you think that they make you scan your grocery cards, you know, card into the grocery store? Because they want to know what you're doing. They want to know what you're buying. They want to know your patterns. Well, that's the same thing with a having a portal, which the buyer initiates which questions, which topics, which videos they watch, how long do they watch, who else do they invite, right? And by the way, they do yep. it. They, they do it before nine, after six, and on weekends. Wow, did you know that, right? And you're not even around in the office when they're doing their exploration and you know and 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 fact finding and so forth. So, hey, enough of that. I want. I got. I got a few more minutes. I want to switch gears. Sure. 
to I want to I, I, I want to get I, I, I heard a funny story. Actually, I don't think it's funny, so I shouldn't say that. But I was on the phone with somebody. I'm not going to tell you who, but I was talking about Amadim, right? And how we can search across, you know, they had like 60, 70, 80, 80 webinars. I'm like, gosh, how does anyone find anything? And the marketing person said the, the most strangest thing ever. He said, Greg, yeah, I understand you can help them find the answers to their questions in the right section of the webinar, but we don't really care about that because we really don't care if they watch them or not. All we care about is that they give us their email so we get that MQL. And and Clark, I almost like like it's a prospect of mine, and I almost said, "Are you kidding me?" Like, <laughs> what, what what you know, as a CMO that's run major organizations, that's you know, create what 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 what's your thinking there? Is that old school thinking that's changing? Because I know you have this idea about sales and marketing getting you know closer aligned. So let's let's lump those two things yeah. together, and let me get your perspective on that. I just was was so many so many thoughts, so many thoughts. But uh, well, I, I think so. My first thought is the idea of the bait to get the email, right? I, it, there, there's so I think that is. I think it's old school. I, I think that it's. I mean, how many calls a day do I get on this freaking smartphone, right? That I know isn't anybody calling me. They're just trying to figure out if I've got a live phone number, if I'm yep. going to pick up. Yep. And they're going to sell that to somebody. That's what their business is. Not you know. And so I, I just think that. The um, I, I, I think that in a world that's that's ever more interconnected, in uh, purchase processes that are ever more uh, buyer driven, authenticity and um, and making sure that you're delivering value at each stage of the conversation is really important. So hopefully, uh, your 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 conversation was with somebody that you know is kind of balancing that with the the, the hard cold facts of they're, they're trying to move things through a pipeline, but but it's just uh, you know. That, that that kind of baiting that's a that's inside out right yeah as opposed to outside in right and so i think that so philosophically that's the first thing that gives me pause but the second thing and equally maybe more important is the the almighty mql right so i am a huge fan look i i want metrics even for a marketing organization that have a currency sign in front of them right an mql is a leading indicator of something that might become an opportunity. But at the end of the day, the only reason the marketing organization exists, right, is to help the organization deliver value and do deals so they can keep delivering value and doing more deals, right? And so there's always, you know, in my career, if you think about the, the, the step of, you know, marketing at the top of the funnel, awareness, getting leads in, then you give that to some sort of a sales development team. They qualify those leads. Maybe they do some outbound work as well. So then you can get to opportunities that your salespeople, your more expensive salespeople are actually uh, working on to, to close the deal, right? I, um, I always want my marketing organizations responsible for pipeline and opportunity generation. So I, which means oftentimes I've managed uh, sales development teams as well as the classical marketing teams, not always. Uh, but if you're not, you've got to have tightly aligned um, shared metrics between the two that are focused on what really turns into opportunity for the organization. You know, killing your MQL number and sales guys not getting, uh, you know, not getting to clubs it's not, that's not success yeah. <laughs> for the organization. Yeah. Yeah. But that's so, you know, for a long time, I mean, that, that, the, the best quote I ever heard in my life was a, a sales manager that worked for me. And I was 
harping on him a little bit on activities. And he was a, you know, he, he was much more experienced. I mean, he said, Greg, you teach something right now. Never confuse activity with progress. <laughs> that's right. Right. And that's what you're saying, right? Is that just because, you know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of QLs, but if they're not progressing through, then that's just a whole bunch of smoke screen, right? At the end of the day, you turn the treadmill off, you're in the same spot. And there are things, that's right. And, and, and so that, that activity and results, right? That's, uh, I think that's an important uh, yin and yang, right? Because even if you think about a sales development team, like you also don't want just, you know, somebody once they've nailed their number, then it's like, I don't have to do anything else, right? It, it, it's part of, the, the motion itself, right, is part of being in play, being ready, being present in the market. So you need an activity level as well uh, that you just can't get confused about what that's delivering for you. Like you say, activity, We our, our phrase back in Mercury days was always uh, uh, no results, does, uh, results does not equal no results plus excuses. <laughs> like you got to get results, right? But you also can't get results if you're, not, if you're not learning and you're not active and you're not engaged uh, yeah, with the market. Yeah. So you, you kind of need to uh, manage, I think. Yeah, and I'd say activity is not good, but don't confuse it too, right? So, hey, yeah. last kind of, we, we've been you know bouncing around on this, but I would think that there's, there's, there's lots of articles written now and a lot of press and a lot of, of, of ideas that, hey, and in in, you know, SaaS is under an enormous amount of pressure. CAC costs are way up. The willingness to pay is down. So it's much more expensive to be in the SaaS business. And where you know companies are now starting to say, hey, you know, instead of what we just talked about, marketing being Group A or Department A and sales being Department or Group, you know, B, let's kind of let's align them better. Let's put them to you know, not necessarily together, but let's align them so they both have those shared goals. Based on what you said with the you know with the currency sign, I, I'm. I'm uh, thinking you're a believer in that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I would take it further. I, I think within the SaaS world in particular, the third vertex on that triangle has got to be customer success, right? Because you're, you know, it's a subscription. You have to earn it back. You, know, you may sign a multi-year uh, agreement or something, but you've got to earn that business back every whatever period of time, a contract period, right? And if you're going to grow, yeah, you also have to have, your customers have to be able to digest all the new capabilities and features, everything that you're adding into the product, right? It's not, you know, again, we're old enough to remember where, you know, you could, a, a hotshot sales guy could close a deal and you all peel out and you leave the, you know, you leave Accenture or somebody to implement it, That's right. right? And you're counting money, and you're on to the next one, right? Yep, yeah. Oh. None of that is true now, right? Nope. So I think that not only do sales and marketing have to be aligned in that you're on this, you know, it's kind of, it's a bit of a tread, it's, 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 it's continuity, right? Now that gives you predictability, which helps your valuation and all the rest, but it's a bit of a treadmill. Yeah. And yeah. that treadmill has to extend then to not only how things get implemented, and in an which isn't a one-time big bang anymore, but you know, at, at each point release of the product, and then uh, making sure that you're bringing those that customer success back around first of all to the front of the process, where you're able to share these stories that we talked about yep. about the value that you get out of this mm -hmm. stuff, but also that you are it's a relate it's a capital R relationship, right, with your yeah. customers. Yeah. It's not a transactional relationship yeah. anymore. 
Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I, I, you're preaching the choir. I mean, Amadim is, is, you know, all about this idea that, you know, the, from, from suspect to prospect to, you know, opportunity to customer to now they're a customer, they still have a need to learn. They still have questions that need to be answered. And if you, no one goes to work that I've ever met that says, boy, today's going to be a great day to enter a ticket. Like they, they, that's, <laughs> they, they, they go to work because they want to get the job done. And then when your software prohibits them because they don't understand something, gosh, why can't you provide an easy, quick way for them to search and, and find an electronic demo or video to get answer their question, right? And that's, it's, it's this flywheel effect that it, it, you, 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 you want them to renew. You actually want them to look at new features and go, wow, maybe that feature would help me. Well, you can't, you know, provide one-on-one, uh, you know, tutelage to every single solitary one of your customers. So how do you scale? How do you leverage? And that's kind of why this cat cost is way up because there's all this nurturing and, you know, and, and, and time that needs to be done yeah. with customer. And, and a lot of people to your, what you said in the first five minutes was, you know, what's that channel? Where's your customer? Trust me, their, their head is not in a book trying to read documentation. We don't do that anymore. But you know, the 68% of all searches on YouTube start with the words, how to. That's where we go when we want to know how to, how to change oil, how to how to boil rice, right? How to water a plant. At least, you know, that's what most people do. So, you know, provide that experience to your customers. So, boy, we could. I'm gonna I'm gonna promise right now um, that we're gonna do another one of these in about three months because I think we, you know, there's, there's a couple of good topics that that came up, and I like to stay in touch with you, and I think my audience would like to learn more. So, thank you very much, Clark, for your time and 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 being on here and your professionalism. I do appreciate it. Uh, well, again, thank you for having me. It's been great to put heads together on this stuff. I uh, would love to continue the conversation and uh, I look forward to it. Take care, Craig. Thanks for listening to the Convenience Economy podcast. And remember to rate, view, and subscribe. And for past episodes, go to amadim.com.